0: James chapter 1. We're going to read this morning from chapter, uh, verse 16 of chapter 1 through to the end of the chapter. This is sermon number 3 in our series. So beginning at verse 16. And look out for what's repeated, especially this word deceived, as we read this through. James 1 verse 16. Don't be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, he's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away, And immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And continues to do this. Not forgetting what he has heard. But doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious. And yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself. And his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphan and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me pray as we start. Our Father in heaven, please, as we look into your word this morning, may we not merely listen. But may we listen intently, look intently, and then be doers of what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. I discovered this week that there are hours and hours of entertainment to be had by typing in the following words into YouTube. The worst X-Factor auditions ever. Oh my goodness. It is hilarious. So all these Muppets walk on the stage deceived by their own lunacy, thinking that they have the X Factor. You seen them? So on to the stage of the auditions walks Terry from Wakefield. And by his own humble admission, Terry is the next Michael Jackson. He has the X Factor. And how does he know this? Well, because his mother, whom he still lives with even though he's 46, hears him singing in the shower and says, Terry, you've got it! So he comes. And then, what does he do? He begins to... Well, he makes a noise. <laughs> and just as he looks more like Michael Winner than Michael Jackson, he also sounds more like the noise when you stand on a guinea pig than the King of Pop. It is horrendous. And yet he is completely self-deceived. And then you get, I don't know, Chantel, Terry, and someone else walk on stage. this three, some from Birmingham, and they think that... They have got harmonies to rival Destiny's child and dancing to rival Rihanna. And they come on and they do their thing, whatever their thing is. And again, it's kind of more like a herd of buffaloes and Beyonce. But they are completely deceived. You've seen them? Now, the funniest bit, as these people are deceived by their own tone deafness, there is Simon Cowell, who waves the music to a stop. No, 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 no. And it is his role in life. He is the gift of humanity to put these people out of their self-delusion. It is his job to speak the truth that will cast them out of their self-deceit. It's hilarious. Now, isn't it interesting how it is very easy to see self-deceit in someone else, but by its very definition, almost impossible to see it in yourself. So when someone else does karaoke, oh, terrible, get off the stage. But when it's us singing, oh, encore, encore, we say. Because we are completely self-deceived. Well, in this section of James 1, Pastor James assumes the same role as Simon Cowell, only with a little bit more pastoral care. See, his purpose in James 1 is to undo our self deception He's assuming the same role of speaking the truth in love to those who are self-deceived. If you've been with us so far, you've seen that there have been these various battles that the Christians he's writing to have faced. So the beginning of chapter 1, there are these trials, these persecutions. Then last week we had uh, from within these temptations that hit the Christians. And Pastor James adds to trials and temptations self-deceitfulness. Uh, if you look at verse 4, what is James's concern? He wants these Christians to be mature and complete. And what is he against in verse 8? He is against this double-mindedness that leads to an instability. And here's what he's saying to you this morning. That part of our double-mindedness, part of our instability, and the thing that stunts our maturity is the fact that we are self-deceived. It comes up three times. Did you see them? Start at verse 16. Don't be deceived. Then again in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Then again in verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. We're prone to this self deception that drip feeds ourselves lies about our own spiritual condition. And Pastor James this morning, he's kind of putting on his boxing gloves and he's coming to give us a little bit of a pastoral punch this morning. It's not the punch that aims to knock us out, but it is a punch to kind of knock some sense into us that says, okay, let me move you towards this maturity and away from that double-mindedness. And here's our route for this morning. Here's where we're going to go. For the first half, we're going to see what is the place of God's word in the life of a believer. What is the place, the purpose, the trajectory of God's word in the life of a believer? And having done that, we're going to move on to see what is the heart, the very root of our self-deception. At what point do we go wrong in drip-feeding ourselves lies? All right, that's the two things we're doing this morning. So uh, let's move on to the first slide. Here's the purpose of God's word in the life of a believer. These three boxes are three stepping stones that James takes us on. So have a look at chapter 1, verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the words of truth. Where has your origin come from as a Christian? Where was your beginning? Would you see in that verse? It is in the sovereign choice of God. How much How big a part did you play in your own birth? Not a lot. Same here. He chose to give us birth. And how did that come about? The answer, through the words of truth. You have been, as a believer, word birthed. See that? See the importance and the crucial place of the word of God in the conversion of a Christian? You have been word birthed. Now, go on to verse 21. Here's the next stepping stone relating to God's word. End of verse 21. Humbly accept the words planted in you. So the word that has given you birth in the past has now been planted in you. It's here to stay. It is for your progress. God has gifted you the word and planted it within you so you can move towards that completeness And the maturity. The word is here to stay. And it's a word that can save. It not only has a part in your beginning, but it is the very thing that is going to save us on that final day when Jesus delivers us from death and destruction. Now, stepping stone number three. Do you see that in verse 22? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. The word birthed and the word planted is not now to become the word ignored. Do you see that? The word that has birthed you and is planted within you is to become the word done. That word which has played a crucial role in your conversion and has been planted for your progress is now to be done daily. Do you see those three things in James chapter 1? Word birthed, word planted, to be word done. It is the very person saved by the word that is to be the doer of the word. Please note the order. Do you see the order? It is not we do the word, therefore we are saved. That's wrong, isn't it? What's the order? God has given us birth through the word, saved us through the word, and therefore we become doers of it. Word birthed, word planted, word done. Let's go back to Ezekiel, where we were earlier on in the service. Ezekiel chapter 30. Six, because this is exactly what we saw in the book of Ezekiel Ezekiel 36 page 868 and reading from verse 25 36 verse 25 I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will become clean I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to do what? To follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Do you see that? God cleanses them first and gives them his spirit. Why? To move them to obedience. The third stepping stone is crucial for Ezekiel. It is then to be the word done. Now, that's exactly what James's brother Jesus taught as well, wasn't it? Luke chapter eleven. What was the importance of Jesus? Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and do it. Do you remember the end of Matthew as well? Actually, Matthew twenty-eight. He says, "Go into all the older world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to do what? To obey." Jesus didn't just want converts. He wanted obedient disciples, doers of the Word. That is why in the vision thing that you've got in your bulletins, why is our vision to glorify God, to make disciples of all nations? We want disciples who are obedient doers of God's Word. Now, James is desperate for you to get this. It is word birthed, word planted, and word done. But, James... What does the word done look like? Well, he has these two phrases. The righteousness of God and religion acceptable to God. Have a look at verse 20. The NIV translates this as the righteous life that God desires. Literally, it is just the righteousness of God. What does it mean to be a doer of the word? Well, it means to live in a way that reflects the character of God as the righteous one. Then have a look at verse 27. Over the page again. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. Doers of the word are those who live in accordance with God's righteousness and who engage in the religion that God finds as pure and and faultless if you're born by god's sovereign choice if he is the father then we will start to reflect his fatherly characteristics that is the religion that he accepts there's been this video flying around youtube which is jesus hates religion it's gone viral does jesus hate religion well he does hate the religion that is self-righteous But he actually loves, desires, accepts in James chapter 1, the religion that is responsive to his fatherhood and reflective of his righteousness. He loves it. He desires it because those who have been birthed by the word and had the word planted in them are to be what? Doers of the words. (coughs) Reflecting the righteousness of God and living as those who are at performing this religion, not performing, that's the wrong word, engaged in this practical religion that reflects his care, word birthed, word planted, word done. Now this becomes the undertone of James's whole book, and this is what he builds the rest of his letter on. It's crucial for us to get it, and he is desperate for you to get it for four quick reasons. There are four reasons why we need to be doers of the word one. It's because we're really sinful. We're so prone to be rebels rather than doers. James doesn't paint us in a great light in verse 14, does he? Chapter 1. Here he is, blunt with us. You have these deadly, evil desires that only result in death. That's what we're prone to. Why in verse 26 does he have to tell us to keep a tight rein on our tongue? It's because our tongue is really prone to speak things that are harmful. James knows that the heart is deceitful above all things. It is beyond cure, as Jeremiah says. Why does he want you to be a doer of the words? Because we're so prone not to. So as those who have been saved, he says, okay, be doers. Second reason, he wants us to be doers because actually the world is really evil. Again, not a great picture of the world. Have a look at that in verse chapter 1 verse 21 he describes it as this moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and then end of verse 27 as well doesn't get any better here is this world that is corrupting in its pollution the world again is in rebellion against god the father and so he says here's why it's really important that you jump onto that third stepping stone the word must be done because the whole world is telling you not to. But it is interesting that he doesn't just jump on these two negatives to impel us to obedience. Do you see these two final things? He says, obedience to God's word is a way of blessing and of freedom. Now that jars with me in some ways, because I think the righteousness of God kind of chokes me and the religion of God just shackles me. My sinful nature just wants to rebel against that, saying, the world is freedom. That's where fun is. See what James says? Have a look at the man who looks at himself in the mirror in verse 25. He looks into this perfect law that gives freedom. And then the end of verse uh, 25, he will be blessed in what he does you believe that? Obedience to God's words brings freedom and blessing. We think, oh, sin looks like the freeway. That looks like liberating fun. But just remind yourself what James said of sin in chapter 1, verse 15. Drags you into death. You desire sin, it will kill you. That's not freedom. That is not blessing. That is curse. Where is the place of freedom and blessing? It is as a saved doer of the word. See why James wants you to get this? Word birth. Word planted, word done. Why? Because that is the way of freedom and blessing. Now, this is the word birth. he uh, really wants you to get this. Word birth. Word planted, word done. Do you see that? I, I want to get this before we move on. Give me a something. Yes? Do you get that pattern? Do you see it in James chapter 1? Is, why has is God given you birth? Why has he given you good gifts? Why has he planted it within you? So that you might do it. Good. Do you see that? Word birth, word plant. I'm going to keep on saying it. Word birth, word planted, word done. Goods. Good. Now let me show you now the perversity of our self-deception. Where do we go wrong? Well, here's the tragedy with none of the hilarity of X-Factor. Our self-deception drives a wedge between these final two things. Let's go to the next slide. Instead of the word done, it is the word forgotten. Here are people who claim to be birthed by the word, claim to have it planted within them, but then they claim that there is no reason for word done. They think it unnecessary. Obedience to God is this kind of optional extra. Now, we can leave that. We can just stop here. Look at how he describes them in verse 22. Mere listeners. Mere listeners. All they do is merely Listen. You deceive yourself, James said. You're kidding yourself. You think you've got the X factor, but you're a joke. And here's the lie that they teach themselves. Look in verse 26. They consider themselves religious. There's a the lie. They consider themselves religious. They're like this person who looks into the mirror, sees themselves, and then wanders off forgetting what they look like. Mere hearers who instantly forget and never do. And yet they still consider themselves religious. To them, everything's hunky dory. I'm fine. Uh, You will have heard overnight that Whitney Houston passed away. Uh, And I was up during the night listening to the radio. And one of the, they played a clip from Whitney Houston when she was kind of in the midst of her really intense drug abuse and alcohol addiction. And she said the words, I am my own worst enemy. you know, if you're someone who merely listens, who instantly forgets, who never does, and yet considers yourself religious, you're your own worst enemy because you are deceiving yourself. Maybe it's, you come Sunday by Sunday. You listen to the sermons. You download the podcast. You take notes. You go to the fellowship groups. You remember. You serve. But you're merely listening. Do you hear what James says? Self-deceived. Self-deceived. The word birth, the word planted, is to be the word done. If it is the word forgotten, if it is the word ignored, says you are deceived. Listen to what a guy called A.W. Tozer says. Interesting observation. There's an evil which I've seen under the sun. It is the glaring disparity between theology and practice among professing Christians. So wide is this gulf that separates theory from practice in the church that an inquiring stranger who chances upon both would scarcely dream that there was any relation between them. An intelligent observer of our human scene who heard the Sunday morning sermon and later watched the Sunday afternoon conduct of those who heard it would conclude that he has been examining two contrary religions. It appears that too many Christians want to enjoy the thrill of feeling right but are not willing to endure the inconveniences of being right. The gulf between merely listening and being a doer. Chuck Swindle calls this the great divorce. James calls it self-deceit. The person who merely listens, who never does, self-deceived. I wonder how many of us here this morning are self-deceived. It's a really quite scary question to answer. One? Ten? Fifty? Am I in that number? Are you in that number? Merely, merely listening. Looking in the mirror Sunday by Sunday, going through the doors, instantly forgetting. And never doing this great divorce between what we hear on a Sunday morning and what we do the rest of the week. Self-deceived, James says. The important thing is not what you consider yourself to be, but what God accepts. And have a look at verse 26. He takes this example, picks on one thing. Okay, what about the person who considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue? What's the value of their religion? End of verse 26. What's its value? Worthless. You don't get points for listening, as it were. There's no points for trying. Those who have been saved, born of God, are to be those who are doers. And if you're not, it's worthless. The double-mindedness of self-deceitfulness is worthless. That's no small thing. If you come here week after week after week after week, and it makes no impact on the rest of life, worthless, why are you coming? Worthless. We can say, oh, we've had all these tremendous pastors over the years at Charlotte Chapel, brilliant sermons. So what? If the listeners to those sermons are not doers of the word, it is worthless, isn't it? We say, oh, we've got this great student ministry. We study the Bible, teach the Bible. So what? If the students aren't doers of the word, it is worthless. You say, oh, we've got this great mums and tots group that studies the Bible for a little bit each week. So what? If the mums and tots aren't doers of the word, it is worthless. A church is not judged by the quality of or the length of its sermons but by the resulting righteous lives of the hearers. It's not about the eloquence of a preacher, but whether that preacher and his hearers do the words. Charlotte Chapel, are we worthless? Or are we saved doers of what God has birthed in us? We need to ask the hard questions. In our... Sunday afternoon conduct in our Monday morning work, are we defined more by the filthiness of the world than by the righteousness of God? He says, be doers. Be doers of the word. My guess is that when James is writing this, he's jumping on the back of his brother's teaching. Do you remember the story of Jesus about the two builders? Remember them? One guy built on the rock, one guy built on the sand saturday focus we're doing this one of our youth scripts a few weeks ago what does jesus say about the man who merely listens he says everyone who hears these words of mine but does not put them into practice he's like a foolish man builds his house on the sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash we sing the kids songs don't we Happy Clappy, so kids songs about this story. And the rain came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand fell flat. My goodness me, that is not a Happy Clappy tune, is it? If anything, that should be a funeral lament. The guy dies. Doesn't he? The next morning, his family come to his house digging through the rubble, trying to find a body to bury Because the person who does not put into practice what the Lord Jesus teaches, it ends in a great crash and a tragic funeral. Those who have been birthed by the words and had the word planted in them are to be those who do what it says. Self-deceitfulness is a rocky foundation, a sandy foundation, that will end in Destruction. And if you're here this morning and you, maybe you have to put your hand up and say, Do you know what, I've, I've been merely listening for years. I'm a, I'm a mere listener. I've just come in and then in, instantly forgotten and never done. Well, Pastor James wonderfully holds up these three things word birth, word planted, word done to break through your delusion to speak the truth, to counter your lies and say, listen, those who have been saved by Jesus are doers of the words. And please know that it is in the doing that there is great freedom and blessing. There is a, a sure foundation to build on in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the perfect man who perfectly fulfilled the law who is perfectly righteous, yet is dragged into the death of sin, my sin, so that he might liberate me for blessing. That is the foundation which we build upon and which we are to move towards maturity as doers of the word. If you're a mere listener, hear the words of Jesus. Hear the cry of James, Please. Humbly accept the word and be doers of it. Hear him in verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. How do we, how do we counter this self-deception? How do we humbly accept this word? Well, James says self-deception is undone by doing. One of the ways we know that we have humbly accepted the word is by doing what it says. It says do it. And he lists all these things in this passage. Uh, Let's move on to the next slide. There's seven things which he lists. Okay, let, let me be really practical about what this pure and faultless religion looks like. Now, when I first read this this week, I thought, man, I've already taken the pastoral punch of being told that you're a mere listener. And then he comes with these seven things. feels like it's seven like nails being hammered into my coffin. But actually, it's really gracious of James because he's bringing the application within reach. He's saying, okay, let me make it really practical. Religion's not ritual. It is practical obedience. Maybe you need to say, okay, which is the one of these that I need to work on? Which one do I need to make sure I'm not just merely listening, but I'm doing there's seven of them maybe take one for every day this week and say okay today i'm going to meditate pray through do this to show that i'm humbly accepting the word that he's graciously given me and maybe maybe for husbands it's okay i'm going to be quick to listen this week husbands are you listening to your wives or are you have you got selective hearing When they're speaking, are you just formulating what you're going to say next or trying to make them be quiet so you can watch the Six Nations? Or are you really listening? Be quick to listen this week. Be doers of the words. What about slow to speak? When it comes to the office on Monday morning and the conversations are going round, do you think, okay, I need to get my opinion in there? My opinion is worth hearing first. Do you wade straight into that conversation that's slagging off the colleague who's just stepped outside? Or are you quick to think, slow to speak? What about slow to anger? Parents, would your kids describe you in this way? Slow to anger. Would they see your ongoing discipleship, your ongoing maturity? Would your kids be able to tell us that you've got a longer fuse than you did this time last year because you've been trying to do the word that has saved you? What about get rid of all moral filth and evil? The idea of of taking off clothes. Maybe blokes. What do we need to get rid of this week? What have our eyes been looking at that we need to avoid? Where have our legs been walking that we need to not go there? Where have our thought patterns been going that we need to redirect? We need to get rid. Maybe it's a tight ring on the tongue. James is really going to take the gloves off in chapter 3 about this one. Uh, Really. But do you need to rein in your tongue this week? Does it reflect the worldliness inside you or the godliness inside you? Does it like to speak behind people's back? Does it like to tear down? Does it enjoy the gossip? How's your language? Do you need to rein in your tongue? Be doers of the word, James says. What about looking after the distressed? Who's the helpless? Who's the Lazarus on your doorstep? Who's the member of your family that's in need that you're kind of ignoring? Who's the person in your fellowship group who needs some meals or needs a weekly visit? Um, We're hoping to develop in Charlotte Chapel our care ministry a bit more, kind of mercy ministries. If you've got a passion for helping the helpless um, in practical ways, um, we're looking to develop this. If you've got ideas, if you just want to help out, speak to Luke Wilson. We really want to make sure we're not ignoring the helpless and just gravitating towards the rich, as James says in chapter 2. What about keeping ourselves from polluting, being polluted by the world? Uh, Maybe teenagers, you guys need to hear this. Do you realize that the world's not a neutral place? Not everything you read and see is helpful. It's actually like this kind of pollution that is filling your lungs. So maybe it's the glossy mags, uh, talk about image. Maybe it's the kind of laziness of the gaming culture. Maybe it's your peer pressure that expects you to get involved sexually with your friends. Listen, keep yourself from the pollution of the world. Put on the gas mask of God's word. Be doers. James says, don't just merely listen and so deceive yourself, but do what? Do what it says. There are two men who look in the mirror in this passage. There are two men who built a house in Jesus' story. One takes a decision that moves himself towards destruction and curse and instability. One makes a decision that moves him towards blessing and freedom and completeness. The decision for us today hangs on this moment. Are we going to merely listen... Or is those birthed by God that he's graciously planted his word within? Are we going to show that we're accepting that by being doers of the words? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice in the perfect righteousness of Christ Jesus. Thank you that he lived the life we should have lived and yet died the death we should have died. That rather than us facing curse, he became the curse. He took the curse. Thank you that he died that we might be free and know only blessing. And we pray that you would keep us from self-deceitfulness. May we not be those who simply consider themselves religious, but as those who have been saved by Jesus, may we be doers of the word. Don't let us forget this morning we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.